You know, we had a great week this week here at the Compass Church with our ZAP Vacation Bible School program. I, when I was on campus, I just enjoyed all the energy and activity. I love to see this place uh, involved in ministry is making a difference in kids' lives. And we average 500 kids every day uh, throughout the whole week. And it was so good. About 300 of those kids were compass kids. That means from this church, this body of believers. And about 200 came in from the community. They're invited by friends and family to be a part of this with us. So we praise God for that. Most importantly, though, and uh, we're not done counting, but we know for sure that there were at least 20 decisions to receive Jesus Christ this week. And so that's what it's ultimately all about. That's why we do what we do, because our mission is to compel people to radically embrace the call of Jesus, come follow me. And our vision is to bring life transformation here, near, and far. So it's so fun to be part of a ministry where that's happening on a regular basis. You know, none of this could have happened without our, our wonderful volunteers. It took 173 volunteers, men and women, to do this. And uh, can you imagine what it would be like if our volunteers didn't show up on a weekend to help us out with ministry? I mean, what would it be like if they just quit or decided that they were going to go on strike and just walked out of the place? But uh, fortunately... They show up every weekend, and we have light and sound and all the important things that need to take place in a church. But if it hadn't been for the volunteers that we have this past week, it just would not have happened. So I'm going to ask you, if you volunteered in the ministry of uh, Vacation Bible School this week, whatever you did, would you stand right now? And could we encourage them and just thank them for their service today? Thank you so much. All right, you can be seated. Thank you for being the hands and the feet and the face of Jesus to so many kids' lives. And volunteers at every age group, it was wonderful to watch young people volunteering this past week. You know, God has uh, designed us to be his tools and his instruments. He's designed us to be him here on earth. You know, Jesus ascended to the Father. He's coming back someday soon, I hope. And yet, in his absence, he's called you and he's called me to, to really be his hands and his feet here on earth, to be him. And uh, there's a passage of scripture that I love that it talks about how he does that. It's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Read it with me. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Don't you love that phrase? You are God's masterpiece. You know, I don't care what the world tells you or how you feel when you look in the mirror sometimes and you think you're a failure or you think that, you know, you're not good at anything. You think there's no value to you because you're comparing yourself to everyone else. I want you to know that in God's mind, in God's eyes, you're a masterpiece that he's working on. 
You're not complete yet. That won't happen to stand before him someday. But you are unique and you are special. And God has uniquely designed you. In fact, God has made a unique shape in your life. Job talks about this. He says, your hands shaped me and made me. Did you know that God right now, like a sculptor, is shaping your life? Say, well, how does God shape me? Well, when Rick Warren wrote his book, Purpose Driven Life, he talked about the fact that all of us have a unique shape. Like, there are no two snowflakes. I hate talking about snow in August, but there are no two snowflakes that are exactly alike. There's nobody in this room who has someone else that's exactly like them. Every one of you is unique. Therefore, every one of you has a unique shape, and you're needed in the body of Christ. You're needed to make a difference in this world. Rick Warren talks about that shape. He says, first of all, we've been given spiritual gifts. God has blessed us all with spiritual gifts. When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you received certain spiritual gifts. Yours may be helps or mercy or administrative or wisdom or discernment. I mean, any number of gifts. If you've not yet accepted Christ into your life, you're missing those gifts that he wants to bring into your life. And I hope you make that decision soon. But if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're young or old, you have spiritual gifts. God's also given each one of us certain heart passions. Each one of us are passionate about something. And some of us may have equal passion with each other. I mean, we may be passionate about the same kinds of things like children or youth or adults or tech or singing or music or organizing things or whatever it is. But everybody has different passions that God's given to them. God's also given us different uh, abilities. Those are those talents that you're born with, those unique abilities that you have that are meant to be used as a follower of Christ to bring glory to God and and to be used to make Him known throughout all the earth. He's given us all unique personalities. Each one of us has a unique personality. And, you know, when our personalities are given over to God and He's given control of them, He uses them in wonderful ways. Now, when we take control of our personalities, then some, you know, weird stuff can happen. Some evil things can take place when we're selfish and and under our own control. But when I give my personality to God, whether I'm an introvert or extrovert, no matter what my personality is like, God can then take that and use it in a special way. And God gives us all unique experiences in life. God can take any experience in our lives, good or bad, and use it for his glory if we'll allow him. I think about Stephen Chandra, who was here a couple of weeks ago and shared with us out of his suffering with leukemia. He nearly died. He's a cancer survivor. You know, he uses that experience to minister to other people who are suffering and struggling. Or I think about Christopher Yuen, who was here a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about homosexuality. And here's a guy who was uh, uh, stuck deeply into the drug scene, the homosexual scene, came to know Christ, and now he uses that experience to speak hope and encouragement to others. And so every one of us here has a unique experience in life, and we'll have experiences in life. And when we give those to God, God uses them. So why does God give us this unique shape? Well, St. Peter answers that question in a letter that he wrote. Read this verse aloud with me, please. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to make lots of money. Wow, I'm concerned about the delay on that one. All right? That's not what the verse really says. 
But that's kind of how we handle it a lot of times. We look at our gifts, we look at our talents, we look at our abilities, and we just think about, wow, I, I, you know, I can use this to become successful. I can use this to have lots of money. I can use this for my own dreams. That's not why God gave you those passions, those abilities, those gifts. Peter says this is the reason he gave it to us. Let's read it right this time. Aloud, please. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. That's it. That's why you have those gifts, those talents, and those abilities that personality, those experiences, that passion. God wants you to use it to bless others. But how do we do that? I want us to look at the example of Jesus and just, just note a couple of things. That first of all, you've got to be available. Jesus was available when he was here on this earth. I mean, Jesus had good boundaries. He knew when to get alone and have his alone time. He knew when to bring his inner circle with him and spend time with them. He knew when to bring the 12 with him and spend time with them. But when Jesus was in public, he was always available to those who were around him. He never, he never allowed interruptions to be interruptions, the way we think of it. And one of the classic examples of that is found over in Matthew chapter 20. If you want to follow along your Bibles, you're welcome to. In verse 29, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's going through Jericho. I hope this is on Blu-ray in heaven. He says, As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed him. So you can imagine a swarming crowd, lots of noise. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they knew of his reputation. He was a miracle worker. They began shouting. They're shouting so they can be heard. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. You can imagine them shouting this over and over again, trying to get past the noise of the crowd. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. Don't interrupt them. Don't be a bother. Don't be a pain. When Jesus heard them, he stopped, called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, We want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. It's a great picture. Jesus didn't see them as an interruption. He saw them as an opportunity. He saw them as an opportunity to glorify his Father. I don't know about you, but I sometimes get my whole agenda in line, and I have these things that I want to accomplish, and I kind of go through life like this, right? Being intense about that. And we do that a lot in the western suburbs. Type A people, success. You know, we got to move on, move through life. And our prayer usually is, God, please keep people out of my way so I can get this life situation taken care of today. When our prayer ought to be, God, I've got this plan, but whoever you bring along my way, help me not to see them as an interruption. You know, we always need to be available for people at all times, in all places, by all means. We need to be available for people. Ready to, to use the gifts and the ministries and capacities that God has given to us. There are some things, however, that oftentimes rob us of being available. Number one, self-centeredness. How many of you know somebody who's self-centered? Let me see your hands. Meet them in the mirror every day, don't you? I know I am. I know I have a tendency towards self-centeredness. I mean, it becomes about me, right? Life becomes about me. Paul wrote to the Philippians. He said, you can't live that way. 
chapter 2, verse 4, he said, Don't look out only for your own interests. Finish it with me. But take an interest in others too. In other words, Paul, you know, Paul's not saying don't ever think about yourself. He's saying, yeah, take care of your marriage if you're married. Take care of your family if you have family. You know, take care of business. Take care of those issues. But it's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's about others. That's why God put us here. Another thing that can keep us from being available toward others is not just self-centeredness, but perfectionism. How many of you are perfectionists? Let me see your hands, all right? How many of you are discouraged perfectionists? Let me see your hands. How many of you are slobs? Let me see your hands. Yay, okay, all right. Perfectionism can really hinder us from being used by God because, you know, we have a perfectionistic mindset. It's like I got to dot all my I's, cross all my T's. I, I, can't, I can't let God use me till. Until I've got everything analyzed and everything figured out and everything put away, then I can step out and serve God. The problem is you'll never get there. You'll never get there. There's nothing wrong with being neat and tidy and organized and wanting to do things well, but it can hinder you from being available because you're so preoccupied with everything having to be perfect. Sometimes you've got to let loose ends exist and get on with ministry. I like what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. I grew up uh, when my parents came back from the mission field on my grandfather's farm. And one of the things the farmers stress about is the weather constantly. Too much rain, not enough rain, too cold, too hot. I mean, it's just, it's a tough deal. Farming is a tough deal because you can't predict the weather. But if a farmer says, I'm not going to plant unless I know things are perfect, he'll never plant, she'll never harvest. Same thing is true for you and me. If we wait till conditions are perfect, we're never going to be involved in ministry. We need to step out and get involved. The third thing is probably the biggest thing that keeps us from being available is materialism. I think it's the greatest obstacle we face. Materialism is all about chasing after money. It's all about chasing after success. It's all about making me happy. Accomplishing my issues, my concerns. But you know what? Listen carefully. The Bible tells us there's a danger to materialism. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, it says this. No one can serve two masters. For you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Finish it with me. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot. It's like there's no maybe there. It just says what? Cannot. You just cannot do it. Just cannot do it. No matter how hard you try, you cannot do it. You're going to be distracted by one. You're going to be pulled by one. Now, it's not saying that God's against wealth. Don't, don't misunderstand that, please. I mean, God gives us a shape and he also gives us different capacities financially. And it's okay to have wealth as long as I understand that my wealth has been given to me to use for the benefit of God's glory, for the benefit of his kingdom. That's why we practice tithing here, giving 10% back for God to be able to use, to remind us everything that's been given to us is from him in the first place. 
But what happens to us a lot of times is we listen to the advertisers, the marketers, and we get on this treadmill and we start running really hard thinking that if I have the right car, the right home, the right things in my life, then I'll be successful, then I'll be happy. You know what happens? We get the right car, we get the right home, we get the right toys, and then all of a sudden somebody tells us that, well, it's still not good enough. And we spend our whole life chasing after that. We finish our lives and we just are empty. And we realize, man, I spent my whole life on myself and did very little for God, did very little, therefore, for others. So you got to be available. In order to be available, you can't be self-centered. you got to work on that, right? You can't let the perfectionistic thing get at you, and you cannot let materialism be your God. But when I look at the life of Jesus, I see something else that he practiced that made, made him available and, and made him a blessing to, to others, an, an attitude that he had about serving. And that was that Jesus was grateful. He was grateful. And I need to be grateful, and you need to be grateful. Let me show you what I mean. Turn over to uh, John chapter 11. Uh, Jesus is visiting, in John chapter 11, some friends. And uh, his best friend, uh, one of his best friends, Lazarus, has died. And he's trying to comfort his sisters, Martha and Mary. And in John chapter 11, at uh, verse 40, we read these words. It says, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? He's talking to the sisters. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you, there's the gratefulness, for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And a dead man came to life again. Now, why does Jesus stand there and pray to heaven and say, and say, Father, I thank you for hearing me? Because Jesus recognizes that this is an opportunity to glorify his Father by demonstrating his power, and others will see that he is the Messiah whom the Father has sent for the salvation of the world. Whenever you and I have an opportunity to serve somebody, it's really an opportunity to demonstrate God's power, the shape that he's given us, to bring glory to him. So that as we serve others, people will look at our selflessness and go, only God could do that in somebody's life. And I feel like Jesus just served me today. Thank you. See, oftentimes we look at people as problems, as uh, uh, interruptions in our lives. We look at things that we have to do as jobs that we have to get done and we complain about it, we're not thankful for the opportunity to glorify Him. I have the opportunity to bring a meal to somebody. I have an opportunity to clean something. I have an opportunity to make something, shape something, build something, help with something, show up early to, you know, for a worship schedule or to be in tech or to be getting ready for the children's department. We don't come with an attitude, wow, thank you, God, I get to do this for you. And the reason why is because we have a tendency to think about our own little world. And you know, when you're thinking about your own little world, you're, you're always thinking about, how can I get God to help me in my world? And the other day, God spoke to me. Actually, it was this Saturday. I was in prayer with several other people. And, and I had this vision in my mind of, of sitting in a certain place and being alone with God because he needed something to say. He wanted to say something to me. And so... I, after the prayer time, I went to the place that I could see in my mind, and I sat there, and God spoke to me. Now, he didn't speak to me audibly, and if he ever does, I'll let you know. But I really felt God say to me, is it about your world, Dale, or is it about my world? 
And I just sat there and I thought about that for a long time. And I thought, God, I am sorry that I'm always trying to get you to fit into my world, into my agenda, into my schedule. God, it's not about me. It's about you. And I've, I've honestly felt uh, a thankful, grateful spirit in my heart when I realized that, you know what? It's God's world and he's invited me to have this part in it. I am so thankful to God friend of mine says, you know, when you're in a sweet spot where God is at work in your life, you can't tell the difference between whether you're playing or working. I really like that. I mean, when you're really in a sweet spot, when you're really realizing that God's invited you and you're doing God's work and it's honoring and glorifying to Him, all of a sudden, you just get a thankful spirit. Even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, you just start feeling thankful that I've been invited to be on God's team. Because one of the things that can keep us from being thankful is when we are trying to control life. I don't know how many of you are control freaks besides me. A lot of us are, man. It's so hard, isn't it? Try to be in control of everything and everyone. You know, when you try to be in control of everything, it just ruins your life. It just makes you ungrateful because you're always trying to manipulate people and circumstances. I was reminded this week how out of control I really am. I was in uh, New York on Friday, uh, New York State, uh, in a ministry opportunity. Flew out that morning, flew back that evening. And on the way back, I was listening to uh, United Airlines has this thing where you can listen to Control Tower. And I I heard the pilot and Control talking, and there was a problem with our plane. And uh, the guy on Control, as we neared Chicago, says, do you want to declare emergency? And that made me sit up really quick. Now, that's kind of strange, declare emergency. And I, th- I thought the pilot must have forgot he's got this thing on because I'm listening in anyway. And uh, the pilot says, no, I, I don't think so. We've lost reverse thrusters and the sensors indicate there's something wrong with the nose gear, but we'll know more when we let it down. Now I'm really sitting up. And the guy goes, well, then tell me. He goes, how much fuel do you have left and how many souls aboard? I did not like that. <laughs> one hour and 15 minutes of fuel and, one th- and uh, 150 souls aboard. I'm just sitting there thinking, man, this, is, you know, this could be intense. I could make the news tonight. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm thinking you know, through my mind. I'm praying. And I, I just said, you know, Lord, um, I, I try every day to give you the day. And today I said to you, no matter what happens, I believe that you're in control. So God, I'm going to hand this thing over. And, and, and I just believe that you're in control. And three seats away from me was Erwin Lutzer from the Moody Church. So I figured if God didn't hear my prayer, he'd hear Erwin's prayer at least. <laughs> And, uh, you know, if I was, you know, if, so I figured we were in, in good company. And make a long story short, obviously the plane landed. There were no problems. And they think birds hit the sensors, which gave a false warning. The fire trucks met us at the end. So it was kind of a, kind of a neat experience at that point uh, to be taken to the gate with fire engines going. But, uh, you know, I was reminded I'm not controlling. Neither are you. None of us are. God is. And you know, when you start living your life that way of letting go and saying, God, you're in control. It's not my life. It's your life. I'm your instrument. I'm your tool. Here's, here I am. Just use me. It just, you know what? It frees you up to be used by God. Because you're no longer trying to get God to fit in your agenda. You're fitting into his agenda. And you see yourself now as his instrument rather than seeing him as your instrument. I want to ask you a real sincere question right now. Do you see God as your instrument or do you see yourself as being his instrument, his tool? You know, the last thing that comes to my mind if we're really going to let God use us and be like Jesus is to be faithful. God calls us to be faithful. 
I love the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. Here's how he speaks to his father. He says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And I want that, I kind of want that to also be my life verse. I want at the end of my life, whenever it is, if God gives me the breath, the mindset to know it's coming to an end, I want to be able to say to God in a prayer, Father, I did my best. I'm not perfect. I failed along the way. I know, but I did my best to bring glory to you by being faithful to you and faithful to my wife and faithful to my kids and faithful to the church you called me to serve to the very end. That's how I want to live my life. How about you? I want to hear God say to me someday, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. I'm not perfect. I blow it. I fail. I take three steps backwards sometimes. I admit that to you today. But I want to serve God. I want to be faithful to him. How about you? I want to make a difference in my life. I want God to use my life. I don't think about retirement. I never plan on retiring. I just want God to use me till he calls me home. I love the way Paul uh, puts this in the way uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrases 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. With all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. I love that. Nothing you do for God is a waste of time or effort. The truth is, however, a lot of us are wasting time and wasting effort doing things that have no eternal value whatsoever. And we're going to enter the kingdom of heaven with nothing in our pockets. Nothing. Because we live this life for ourselves. You know what? Let's throw ourselves into the work of God. And here at the Compass Church, there are so many opportunities for you to do that. To serve others here, near and far. Those who are part of our church family. And most of all, those who are not part of our church family yet. Through the gifts and talents and beliefs that God has given to you. You know, with our multi-site coming up. We have so many needs that are going to. Uh, that we're facing here at the Hobson campus. And we'll be facing at the 111th campus. We need about 400 new volunteers to fill in the gap. Now, here's the bad news, good news. The bad news is this. We live under the 80-20 rule like almost every organization does, every church does. 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. There are almost 3,000 people who call the Compass Church home. We only have, however, about six to 700 actual volunteers serving on a regular basis. That's the bad news. The good news is there's room for a whole bunch of people who are out there. Ready to serve at all ages and stages. You. And I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here to say, I need you in the game. I need you to partner with me to take that unique shape that God has given you and experience the fulfillment that comes by getting your hands dirty for God. And so we developed this ministry called Track. You've been hearing a lot about it. Let me briefly explain it to you. There's a card in the chair pocket ahead of you. Pull it out right now, would you please? Like everybody to do that. And let me explain to you how track works because we've not always been good at recruiting and placing people. Now, for this last year, we've been working on this new ministry and we're going to get really good at it so you have maximum fulfillment in your life. It says, first of all, bullet points. We call it track and here's how it works. Number one, we'll set up a short time to get to know you. 
We'll recommend several areas where you could volunteer given your unique gifts and schedule. We have opportunities across the church for you to plug into from children's to students to adults. So many areas, worship, parking lot, you name it. There's so many places where you can use the gifts and talents that God has given you. Secondly, after you choose a place to serve, we will provide the training you need to feel confident and comfortable in your new role. And last but not least, once you have hit your stride serving, we'll check back in with you to assess if your new role is a good fit for you or if you want to stretch your legs a little and try something else. So it's all meant to help you experience maximum fulfillment. Not meant to be a chore or a job. It's meant to be an experience that you'll have fun doing because you're experiencing God working through you. And we're going to be with you every step of the way. And that's what we've been working hard is to develop this ministry that will ensure we're with you every step of the way instead of saying, here's your job and forgetting about you. Don't want to do that. Want to be with you every step of the way. So it starts with you filling out this side. If you'll please give me your name. I'll ask you to do that now. Phone number, cell number, email address. And then which campus you plan on being at. The Hobson campus, 111th campus. And then choose one of these boxes. Check the box that says, I've already uh, confirmed my serving role in this ministry. If you have, then check it and tell us what it is you're doing. Or, I am interested in serving the compass for the first time or in a new area of ministry. Check that box. Maybe you're saying, you know, I'm kind of stalled out where I'm at. I want to get involved in a new area. Then check that box out for us. Someone will call you, and then you'll have a little get-together with that person. You'll have a chat for a few minutes together, and you'll talk about what you think your gifts and talents, what your shape is. And then we'll say, well, here's where those could be used. Where would you like to try this? We'll get you involved, we'll train you, we'll encourage you, we'll follow up with you and make it the best experience you've ever had. We'll do everything that we can. But nothing can happen if you don't give us this information. And I'm asking you to do this because you got to get in the game. You say, that, that's all about, you're just recruiting volunteers this morning. Uh, yeah, there's some truth to that, but listen carefully. Really what I'm doing is helping you find the most fulfilling experience you'll ever have in your life when you are making a spiritual difference in people's lives because you're making your hands and your feet available to Jesus. While you're filling that out, let me tell you uh, about an example of this this week. As I said, we had the Vacation Bible School here. We had 500 kids on an average each day. And as I was walking around, I was observing things. And I observed a young girl, 13 years old, by the name of Haley. And I noticed that she had, I believe it was two children following her around the whole time. Two very beautiful, special kids with Down syndrome. And she was kind of their buddy for the week. And I had so much fun walking through this place on, on uh, a couple of different days and watching Haley with her two friends with her. It's like a mother hen with her chicks. And she was so serious about loving and caring for them. And I could tell that they were enjoying it. And as I looked at that, it just touched my heart. And I thought, that's what it means to be Jesus. I have a 13-year-old teaching me that's what it means to be Jesus. You can be any age. And God can use his shape in your life to bless, encourage, uplift, love someone who needs it. And I'm so thankful for Haley. And I'm so thankful for those two beautiful kids. And that we could be their friend this week. Would you be willing to do that? And fill out that card. Father, I just pray and ask that you would just cause the Compass Church 
to rise up to the increased challenge before us to reach a world that's confused and dazed right now and looking for hope. God, I pray that the weight of this work would be spread amongst many, many, many shoulders so that no one feels the heaviness, but that we feel the joy being used by you and serving you. God, may those cards translate into holy cards of commitment, of service, and surrender of our gifts and talents to you. In Jesus' name, you fill us out and worship with us, please. Then we'll hand them in together.